Hello there, and welcome to the She Hit Refresh podcast. I'm Seppi, rhymes with Peppy, and I'm the co-founder of She Hit Refresh, an online community for women over 30 who want to break free from routine and start a life of travel. In today's episode, I speak with digital marketing expert Carrie DePhillips from the Content Factory and Workcationing. I'm so excited to bring this interview to you, y'all, and you'll be able to hear my excitement. I talk a bit fast, forget to include some important details about my guest, and I'm just bursting with energy. But you know what? I was really excited and fangirling. I've been following her since 2017. I'm a loyal listener of her podcast, Workationing, and was just super stoked to get the chance to interview her. So some of the things we get into are how she went from freelance writing to starting her own digital marketing company that specializes in PR. And get this, it ranks as one of the best SEO agencies in the U.S. We also talk about her journey as a digital nomad, her podcast, Workationing, dating as a woman in your 30s, and much, much more. Make sure to stay tuned till the end because Carrie shares her tips for how you can get started in a career in digital marketing. You won't want to miss it. So I hope you enjoy this fun and fabulous interview with Carrie DePhillips. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we would love if you gave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your favorite podcasts. Enjoy! All right. I am super excited and slightly a little bit nervous because I have one of my idols here on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I have Carrie from uh, the Workationing podcast here with me. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the She Hit Refresh podcast. I am so psyched to be here. I love She Hit Refresh. You know that I'm a fangirl myself. Yes. Thank you so much. Just to let the viewers know kind of my history with uh, learning about you guys is... um, I learned about your your workationing podcast back in June 2017. I was at, you know, I'm a podcast fanatic, so I was listening to another podcast, I think called Remote Work or Remote Me, I can't remember the name, uh, but it was an interview with you and, and Kelly, and I heard these two women uh, who just were captivating from the start talking about this concept of taking their work on the road, and I was like, oh, these women get me, and so I've been hooked ever since June of 2017, and it's just great to, to have you here, and also to see you guys grow and expand from the podcast to your group and then to these resources that you're providing. So thank you so much again. Yeah, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. It's crazy uh, how all of us digital nomads kind of start to know each other after a while. Yeah, yeah. And I was just commenting before we got on, like, you know, I've uh, been following, you know, Karen Workationing and listening to the podcast, but this is the first time we've ever connected audibly. First time we're talking. So this is really cool. For our listeners who don't know who Workationing is, who don't know who you guys are, I want to um, hear a little bit about, you know, who you are, where you're from and how you and Kelly met. Okay, sure. Oh, that's a long story. I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with, with myself. So uh, my name is Carrie DePhillips. I am the owner of The Content Factory, which is a digital PR agency that specializes in SEO. And uh, I started the agency in 2010. Prior to that, I uh, worked in advertising, but I, I've always had the ability to work from home and kind of anywhere. Um, I did a lot of traveling Actually, the the way that Kelly and I met is kind of a a fun story. I was working as a freelance writer for a long time, but I saw this ad for a startup that looked really promising, and I figured, well, they needed somebody to start and staff their writing department, and I I could definitely do that. So I ended up getting that job. Kelly was engaged at the time to the founder of the startup. And so I actually, I don't don't think I knew that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually met Kelly through her fiance who hired me 
And then she would just kind of like come into the office all the time and we would go out to lunch a lot. We became kind of like insta besties. She would come over and we would drink cocktails by the pool. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a really good time uh, until her fiance surprise fired me. And it, it was because I asked for a percentage of the company because I felt like I'd was deserving of it. Instead of negotiating, he just went ahead and gave me the X. So uh, the next day, I started the content factory. What? That is some hustle the next day. So you didn't even really boohoo. You were just like, okay, finding a solution. Here we go. No, I do my best work from a place of fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. There is like nothing that will really light a fire under my ass, really just wanting to show somebody, you know? Well, I think you showed him. Right. So I started the content factory in 2010. Uh, it's a digital marketing agency that specializes in PR. We now represent several national and international brands. We do all kinds of fun stuff. I have 12 employees spread out across seven states. And uh, I've been working with Kelly for three years. And three-ish years ago, we were sitting on a beach in Mexico because I had just hired her. And I I figured there was no better place to train somebody than in Playa del Carmen. (laughs) (laughs) There are worse places, right? (laughs) There are. And also, I figured it would be very difficult for her to say no to my job offer if training was going to take place on the beach in Mexico. Smart. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I made her an offer she couldn't really refuse. So uh, it was Kelly one of my other employees, Elena, and myself, we spent a couple weeks out in Playa, and Kelly got thoroughly trained. And uh, we were sitting on beach eating fish tacos. And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know, why can't it always be like this? Thus, the idea of vocationing was kind of born. I'd, I'd been thinking about it for a while, actually. Like, I had been planning... So I started the company in 2010. I would say that by 2015, I really had my my sights set on traveling the world and doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get there, I had to like divorce a husband who couldn't do that. Oh. And then, you know, I started dating another guy. I was with him for three years and then he he couldn't travel. So I, I had to leave that one too. You know, there were barriers to entry to this lifestyle. Right. But the biggest one for me was finding somebody to do it with. And Kelly was just like one of my best friends. She's amazing. I had gone on enough work trips slash workations slash vacations with her to know that we travel really well together. And so once I had a partner in crime to do this with, it became a lot more accessible. I know that there are a lot of solo women or solo female travelers. That's another group that I'm in. And there are ladies who just do it on their own. That, That was not something that I felt particularly comfortable with. I do short trips on my own, but for like a longer term thing. Uh, I, I really wanted, you know, a traveling companion. So Kelly and I decided that we were going to do this. Uh, we weren't really sure how it was going to go, but we figured we might as well, like, document it on the podcast, create a podcast, and then kind of have a memory book of our adventures as we embarked upon this digital nomad lifestyle. Yes, that's what I love. So I will, a few things here. So definitely for those who haven't listened yet, please listen to the Workationing podcast. As Carrie said, they chronicle, you know, their adventure, everything, their doubts, their fears, their excitement, their planning, 
from the beginning, from before they leave. So it was so, I don't know, insightful to just hear you guys talk it out from the beginning, because I think a lot of, you know, many listeners, many people in your shoes can relate to all the thoughts and all the topics that you were covering. I feel like you have like read my Q and A's here. You kind of went through all the questions I had, like the first five questions, just straight in order. So thank you for that. I wanted to ask for this concept of taking your work on the road, leaving maybe a more conventional life. What did your friends and family think about you guys actually executing on this idea? Those who know and love me. (laughs) (laughs) What what I'll call less than conventional. Like my family was kind of just like, well, that sounds like a weird thing that that Carrie might get up to. (laughs) (laughs) And and my, my friends were like, sure, that sounds weird. You know, part of the joy of life for me is chasing down weird experiences, having fun stories that you can tell at cocktail parties and, you know, the even better stories are the ones that you can never tell anyone and intentionally creating those memories for myself Mm -hmm. and uh, really optimizing my life so that I am able to Um, you know, knock items off of my bucket list, be aware of what my bucket list even is. What kind of trouble can I get into? You know, but not too much trouble, just just enough, (laughs) you know? And and, and how can I uh, surprise and delight myself and the others around me in a way that makes my life less focused on all of the business and day-to-day life stresses and, you know, pepper in some sprinkles of sparkle in there (laughs) along the way. Yes. I love that. I can so identify with that. You know, um, I've always been curious about life, but I think I was more of a no person in the sense like, no, I don't do do that or I don't want to try that. And I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I turned into a yes person and it has just enhanced my life so much to play with life and to really like, for me, I feel like kind of the meaning that I've come to about life at this point is just to experience it. Putting yourself in new situations is really exhilarating. So I totally get what you're saying about, you know, creating these experiences for yourself and those around you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to occasionally terrify yourself, you know, because sometimes at the like on the other side of that, terror is like, look at what I can do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I could do that, but, but look at, I just did. <laughs> totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. You break through that fear and you see what you're made of and what you're capable of. Um, was there anybody that tried to talk you out of it? I think probably just the boyfriend who didn't want me to leave him. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you know? I'm not the type of person that that you can really talk out of something once once I put my mind to it. And again, this is something that I had in the works for a really long time. I conceptually gave myself permission to do this a, a long time ago. It was just about logistically creating the experience in a way that would make me feel the most comfortable when I knew I was going to be throwing myself into, you know, a, a series of instances of discomfort. So having a partner in crime to do that kind of gave you the permission like, okay, I can do this. Let's go. If I was going to get kidnapped, probably somebody else was going to be there with me. That was like a comforting <laughs> thought because nobody <laughs> wants to die alone. You know? Well, you had that one covered. Not going to die alone. I got Kelly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one way or another, I am not going to die alone. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So where are some of the places that you guys went on your journey? And then you can lead us into where you are now. Sure. Place one, Aguada, Puerto Rico. I love Puerto Rico and I had spent some time there before. The beaches are beautiful. The people are really lovely. 
the the food on the beach is just really great you go to crash boat beach and there's just all kinds of weird stuff for you to check out there's a guy with trained pelicans and they all have names and do individual tricks and then at the end of the day he he like calls them by name and they all just kind of voluntarily hop into his hatchback like that's an experience but I would say the number one reason to go to Puerto Rico is because of the bio bay. Oh. And if you go to La Paguera, you can swim in it, which is like the only one where you can swim in. So if you're going to go to Puerto Rico, uh, definitely go check out the bio bay, but make sure you do La Paguera because, again, you can swim in it. And when you jump into this water, your whole splash lights up. And as you're like treading water, your your feet and your hands are glowing, and as you take your hand out of the water. It looks like stars are dripping from your skin. It was just the most incredible experience with nature I've, I've ever had in my life. Uh, I love that episode. I remember hearing about that, listening to you guys and thinking, I've got to go. It just sounded magical slash terrifying jumping in the water in the middle of the night. But yeah, it sounds incredible. Yeah. You know, you have to get over some fears. <laughs> you do. It was not, I mean, I, it, and you're just like swimming there like a, like a glow worm of, you know, signaling to some sort of shark or something to eat you. It, it, the, the thought crossed my mind. I'm just <laughs> I think it always <laughs> crosses my mind. Out of the water. Awesome. So after Puerto Rico, where'd you guys go? We went to Medellin, Colombia, which was, you know, like Kelly and I like to operate kind of by like the fly by the seat of your pants method of travel and that we would rent an Airbnb for a month or so at a time and, you know, hit a different country every month. So about 10 days before our Airbnb time was up in Aguada, we were like, you know, we should probably book our next place. I had been on all of these DN boards and, you know, on Reddit, and I had read a bunch of articles about how Medellin was like the hot spot for digital nomads. So Kelly and I were like, well, vacationing has to go check that out. <laughs> we started looking at the Airbnb options. You want to talk about value on deals out there. You can really live like a baller for like zero dolares. And so we ended up running this penthouse apartment. It was in like the nicest building and the best part of town. And we had the rooftop penthouse. There was a uh, rooftop pool. And we got there and it was just like lifestyles of the rich and famous. And it was less than $2,000 a month. And we were like, well, this is, this is living. This is great. Let's just extend this for another month. But what we didn't realize was that we were basically staying at this sex tourist and cartel building of choice. <laughs> also, ladies don't really travel by themselves or like live by themselves there. We very much look like lesbians to them. <laughs> and that, that, which was not a good look in Medellin, let me tell you. Okay. And so we, we were the, the like only ladies living alone <laughs> in this building. And we had the baller suite. And the more time we spent at the pool, the more we realized that like these guys were all sex tourists and they would bring their prostitutes to the pool. Uh, some of them were very clearly underage, which depressed me for months, the things that I saw there. So we were pretty happy to get out of Medellin. It, it was a beautiful place and the food was incredible. And again, the value, incredible. But uh, like sex tourism is alive and, and well out there. And as, you know, as a lady in her, as I like to call it, mid to late 27s, I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like in the States, if you see what looks like a teenage 
girl being sex trafficked, you can call the police, like you can do something. Mm -hmm. But there, it's there's like nobody to call. You're just like witnessing this happen and you're powerless to stop it. And I had never been in a situation like that before. You encounter all kinds of things when you travel. And, and there are a lot of positive experiences, but then like often you're confronted with, you know, some of the horrors of the world. It, it feels better to read about than it does to witness. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say about travel. You know, once you get out of your bubble, you really get exposed, you know, on the road, get exposed to not only the light, but also kind of the dark of what's out there. That's pretty heavy. That's tough. From there we did, we did Montreal. We did Acapulco. Kelly likes to call that uh, the murder toilet. <laughs> that seemed uh, rough. I was a little bit disturbed listening to those episodes. <laughs> yeah, no, our Acapulco episodes were just like, I, I, I think the last Acapulco episode is titled, Dear God, Get Us Out of Here. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh my God, please get us out of here. From there, we did uh, San Diego, uh, Las Vegas, Prague, Amsterdam. We've been to Scotland. I did a stint in South Africa for a while. That was an enjoyable experience. Penguins and cage diving with sharks, highly recommended. Incredible. Yeah. And then uh, this last year, Kelly and I set up home base in Amsterdam, which is like a really fantastic hub. Uh, we set up a Dutch company, so we were able to get visas, and we can kind of stay in Europe for as long as we want, which is nice, because uh, that 90-day limit was really getting to be a pain in the ass. Yes, congratulations on that. I know a lot of us Americans who want to be in Europe are like trying to figure out a way to make it work, because getting a residency visa is really hard, a residency permit, so congrats on making that work. That's that's awesome. Stay yeah, around. it's not too hard in the Netherlands, actually, so what you need is... A, and it's pretty easy for a freelancer to do. If you want to get the 30% rolling, there are more hoops to jump through. That's like a, a tax break advantage. But essentially all you need to do is set up a Dutch company and then put $4,500 or 4,500 euros into a Dutch bank account, uh, hire a Dutch bookkeeper and you're done. Then you get your visa. That seems pretty easy. So, okay, that's awesome. With that then, do you guys think you're going to stay in Europe for a while? Or are you looking at moving back home to the U.S.? I will not be. Um, <laughs> no. I know. No. Me neither. <laughs> no, girl. And I'm going to not be in the U.S. for more than 34 days a year. You know, yeah. I might cut that down to 20 just to be sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Smart, smart. So will Amsterdam be your new permanent home? I don't know. I, I like to travel a lot. I think I'll have, uh, i always have a lease on an apartment. Always for, for the next year. <laughs> uh, I'll have a lease on an apartment out here and then just kind of travel around. Okay. Sounds cool. So I have a question then because, you know, you guys left the U.S. a few years ago. You've been on this workation adventure, started a new life in Amsterdam. What I guess, what did you learn about yourself that surprised you the most from this experience? That I can really get through anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's, uh, there have been a lot of challenges. Immig or expatting is, is not immigrating, expatting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it. It's not particularly easy. And the culture shock. When you travel and you see how locals in different areas treat you, it, it kind of gives you a glimpse as to how you look 
through uh, another culture's eyes. Um, Because certainly some cultures are more friendly to people like Kelly and I than than others. I I think recognizing that and then, you know, thinking about, well, what is it about my behavior or what is it that is, you know, less than palatable here? It provides an opportunity for more self-reflection. And maybe I was the loud American. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe I'll always be the loud American. Like I, I, I'm kind of okay with that. When people ask me to put my uh, phone number in their phone, I, I write myself in as Carrie Painfully American. <laughs> <laughs> Look, travel, like you said, it gives you that self-awareness. I'm half Colombian, half Iranian. In the US, I kind of feel like I don't 100% fit in any circle with the Latinas with my Iranians and with, you know, Americans who have parents and grandparents from there. But in Europe is when I feel most American and I'm most aware of my American tendencies. I'm like, oh, I am American. I do think like an American. Okay. It's that self-awareness you get when you step out of your, your bubble. Yeah. And is being American such a great thing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there's, there's things we can work on, right? Everyone has things they can work on. Yeah, man, I am really jealous of this European work-life balance. I see all these people who have it. I still have not captured that elusive pink unicorn yet, but I've got my <laughs> eye on it. Like I'm, I'm going to catch it one day. <laughs> Well, that's what I want to ask you about because I know you guys work a lot. Um, I hear it in your podcast, you know, you guys talking about these long work hours. Since you're not having the work-life balance right now, tell us about your typical work day. How many hours are you guys actually working and what's your work day week like? I like to rise and grind. And for me, that's usually like I wake up and start working around at nine o'clock in the morning. But my team is mostly based in, the, well, they're all based in the U.S. Most of them are on the East Coast. So I wake up and I have about five hours before the rest of my team starts working. Um, and then client meetings start and whatnot. I, I was taking, I was on a client call at, at midnight Oh my God. <laughs> with the West Coast this week. Uh, which is not uncommon. But again, I manage a pretty large team and we've got a lot of clients and I don't have a sales staff. So there's a lot that I take on that I uh, will likely start outsourcing or rather in-house outsourcing to other staff members to kind of free up more of my time. But like running and growing an agency is not not easy. It's not not time consuming. And it's it's kind of like a labor of love for me. I don't mind being a workaholic so much because I have very large goals. (laughs) And so I work pretty relentlessly toward achieving them. I would like to have a little more of that work-life balance though. So I think like this year I've got my eyes set on, I'm either going to go to Burning Man or Nowhere. Oh, what's Nowhere? I know Burning Man, but what's Nowhere? So Nowhere is in Spain and- Oh yeah, girl. Yes. I don't even know what. Yeah, come on, let's get our weird outfits together and go play in the desert. <laughs> um, I want to go. Tell me about this. I'm going. Signed up. Done. Okay, so uh, it's February or not February. I want to say it's like July seventh. If you search "going nowhere," it's a great name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you can. The tickets are about to go on sale. Okay, I'm gonna keep an eye out. I'm already on their email list, and they sell out. So you, you want to get in early. I'm told it's like Burning Man before Burning Man sold out, man. 
Awesome. Cause I, I have been wanting to go to Burning Man probably since high school, but I feel like it's, yeah, it's past its prime. I may be past my prime. So maybe I need to find a new festival. So like from where we are, it's hard to get there from here, but you're already in Spain and that is just like a $15 flight from here. <laughs> We're going to need to run an RV. We're going to need to run an RV because uh, it's like three hours outside of Barcelona once you fly into Barcelona. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to look into it. So then, I mean, I love going back to, you know, working and hustling. I love that you said like, you don't mind putting in the long hours because it's your labor of love. Cause I feel kind of the same way with uh, right now with, with my work and growing things. And I have a lot of people, not a lot, but I have a fair amount of people that tell me I should slow down. I work too much. I need to get out more. And I'm just like, dudes, I'm happy. I like what I'm doing. Like you said, I have big goals and I got to put in the time to make them happen. They're not going to happen on their own. So no, I just, no. Yeah. are you going to help me? Like, are, are you going to get in here, roll up your sleeves and start typing out all this content I need? Exactly. You know, somebody's got to do it. It's also frustrating when I hear people tell me that I, I work too much because I am friends with a lot of male entrepreneurs who work just as hard as I do. And I don't hear them being told that quite as frequently mm. or at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just like, mm, you know, all right, <laughs> I, I'm not going to work any less right now. And I wouldn't want to because my trajectory is looking pretty good. And why stop now? Exactly. And then I guess, you know, it comes back to this whole work life balance. Like a lot of people, especially people who are entrepreneurs and spend a lot of time working, saying there really is no balance, but it is kind of like you work really hard and then you take a break, like going, going nowhere. Like that's going to be your time off. You're going to. Yeah create that time for you to disconnect. Yeah. I don't even think there's Wi-Fi out there. Yeah. But also like for me, realistically, because I work so much, the digital nomad lifestyle is perfect for me because, okay, I get out of the house once a week, but I get out of the house and I'm in Amsterdam doing cool stuff, or I go out of the house and I'm on a gorgeous beach. I can shake up my environment. I've seen more cool things than a lot of people I know who claim to have a greater work-life balance than I do. I have knocked off more items from my bucket list than people who theoretically have more time to do so. I think it's just about strategically planning the, the free time that you do have. Again, create that life rich of memories that, that you want to have before you kick the bucket. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and knowing yourself, not everybody wants to work 15 hours a day. And that's totally cool. I I definitely don't tell people who are working a nine to five that they should work more. So whatever works for you is totally fine. But on that tip, do you ever get burned out then? Or are you just kind of like on the go person all the time? I I, I definitely like get burned out. I have long weekends where I binge watch Netflix and, you know, have some wine. I I do like have some downtime, but then I'm very conscious of the fact that like, all right, well, this is your recharge, do nothing, turn off your brain time, but understand that on Monday that stops and and you're back to the grind. Yeah. It's not really like so much of an issue to throw myself back into the swing of things. I I get anxious to go back to work because there's always more to do. (laughs) Yeah, it never ends. Looking back, I guess, at your 21-year-old self, what what would they think about where your life has, what it has become and where you've ended up? Probably not anything you've imagined, but what would your 21-year-old self think about you right now? Oh, man, she would be so geeked. She would be like, I mean, past me is really slapping future me a high five. <laughs> I love <laughs> that visual. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I, I grew up super poor and oh. I ended up going from Northern California 
California where I grew up to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for college. I was there for a while. That's when I started freelance writing. That's when I, I was like, oh, I can work from anywhere. And so I would go and travel and visit friends and I kind of built that up. I did that brief stint at the startup where I fatefully met Kelly. So it was all worth it. And she didn't end up marrying that guy. So like I win. You yep. know? <laughs> it worked out. Right. Right. Awesome. Yeah, man, it's good. It's, it's, it's really, really good to, I, I never could have imagined growing up where I did and how I did that I would have been on five continents, traveled to so many countries. I, I can, I'm really, truly the master of my own destiny. If I don't like where I'm living, I can just go somewhere else in two days. The possibilities and the freedom that the remote work lifestyle provide. At 21, I didn't really know that like remote working was a thing. Certainly not as a kid. You always had to do the nine to five in an office somewhere. So then the question became, well, like, where do you want to do that nine to five? And what do you want to be doing while you're doing it in that cubicle? To get out of that kind of cubicle mentality and be able to really engineer whatever kind of life and lifestyle you want. For me, the easiest and most direct path to that is working remotely. I agree. I agree. It's given me the freedom as well. So that leads to, well, okay, before we go to work, working remotely, I have one question from some listeners here. I, I put a feelers out for questions to ask you. And somebody okay. wants to ask a question out of left field or not related to your life your work life. Uh, they want to know, how do you cope? And this is for you and Kelly, but Kelly's not there right now. How do you cope with dating in your 30s? Oh, well, the answer is one doesn't. <laughs> one just has a series of mental breakdowns. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, not really. Uh, actually, we did an entire relationship series <laughs> on the Workationing podcast. It, it was a trilogy. <laughs> uh, they talked about dating in your 30s and, you know, dating as a digital nomad and dating in the digital era, which is its own kick in the dick. How do I deal with it? Uh, it's, you know, recognizing market value. <laughs> is it sometimes a, a less than fun exercise, right? <laughs> Especially as you're a woman who is of a certain age. Yeah, and, aging. <laughs> right. and studies show like the the facts are not in our favor ladies of a certain age also in their mid to late 27s because guys tend to like they go for ladies between 18 and 22 consistently on all dating platforms like that's the ideal for me the number one obstacle has been trying to find somebody that I feel secure enough with that isn't going to trade me in for a younger model down the road mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because you have so much more to offer than a young woman who's just learning who she is and figuring out her life. You have life experience and you're just badass. You've built things, you're intelligent, you're funny, and you have the confidence that comes with just with growing up. Yeah, I mean, like, and again, that comes with its own challenges because I found that, you know, I, I have achieved a certain level of success in my life and I am regularly quoted in media outlets and I, you know, I, I get fan mail. That's kind of cool. I get fan mail for SEO work. What? You know, like that's, it's intimidating to some men. Uh, there's this great poem and I can't remember. Uh, I think it's called Dear Woman, but, and we read it on one of the relationship 
episodes of the podcast. But uh, essentially, one of the lines was, uh, if your crown is too heavy for a man to carry, you do not need to remove jewels from your crown to make it easier. You need a man with bigger hands. Uh, I think that a lot of ladies who have a lot to offer and have like their shit together and a certain amount of success are in intimidating Mm -hmm. to a lot of men and a lot of men don't want to admit that so it it tends to rear its head in various ugly ways but I've uh I've found success recently uh I've been dating uh Nico for about a year and uh we're doing the like live together thing (gasps) right now giving that a shot I didn't know that Ooh, congrats you know you gotta kiss a lot of frogs right to find the oh yeah yeah, and like, listen, at a certain age, uh, the inventory is very scratch and dent. <laughs> but but for me, what's great about Nico is that he works a ton too. He's also an entrepreneur. He's a pilot in his spare time. Just for funsies, you know, he can land a plane on a glacier. I find that to be very sexy. He's mm. got a, an accent that's quite fun. You, you can take him places. I like that. <laughs> he can take me places too. It, it's a good time. So uh, keep putting yourself out there and be strategic about like what it is that you're actually looking at. Because again, like weeding out the ones that will trade you in later or will be intimidated by your success in ways that, you know, they're going to put you down for or many ways that men can prove that they're not worth your time and energy being on high alert for all of that shit. So you don't waste your time on it. I think the real struggle of dating in your thirties and beyond. Yeah. And I would just remind everybody it's okay to be on your own and be single. You know, your relationship does not define your success. So you do you until you find that right match and don't ever dim your light for anybody. No, no, no. No. And, and if you feel like uh, your guy's holding you back, ditch him. Yeah. Yeah. Just rip off that bandaid. <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, honestly, ripping off some of those band-aids have been like the best thing that I've done for myself or some of the best things that I've done for myself because it enables like so much more progress. Yeah. It creates the space for, for something new and probably better. So then, okay. So I want to jump into remote work because I know a lot of our refreshers want to know our how to work remotely? How can they break out of the conventional life? How do they get out of the nine to five, out of the cubicle and untether themselves, as you guys say? Yeah. And I know you guys, you know, workationing has created a lot of resources to help people untether their lives. Let's just start from the top. What are some options that people can look into if they want to start working remotely? Number one, take a look at what kind of skills you have that translate to the digital world. Digital marketing is really easy to break into. I don't have a degree. You don't need a degree. Uh, When I first started freelance writing, I didn't have any experience. I took on some writing gigs that paid two cents a word just to build my portfolio. But then I had a portfolio that I could point to and then I could charge like five cents a word, right? And so you like build up. Web design is another one. Uh, There are WordPress templates. Nobody's asking you to create anything from scratch. There are all kinds of internet tutorials to where if you don't know how to build a website, uh, you can just watch some YouTube videos, learn how to build one, build yourself a website, and then go hunting on Craigslist for people who are looking for website designers. Craigslist is a fantastic resource. People don't realize, but it's like one of the biggest job posting boards in the world. And uh, I post my help wanted ads on Craigslist because it tends, well, it doesn't tend to, it has over 
eight years consistently brought me the most high quality candidates. So you can find real work on Craigslist. It's just about, well, all right, what kind of work are you looking for? And what kind of work can you do? And if you don't have the skills to be able to, let's say, write SEO content, on a freelance basis or build somebody's website or manage social media marketing. There are a ton of companies looking for social media managers. You can teach yourself. Again, there are lots of free YouTube videos uh, that will do it. I have an in-depth SEO course that will teach you everything you need to know about search engine optimization. It comes with a money back guarantee. But because SEO writing is like really one of the easiest ways to, I would say, break into digital nomadry. If you're a good writer, that's a good one. If you're not a good writer, I would recommend something like website design. Build up those skills, start applying for that work, and don't quit your day job until you have enough coming in from your side gigs to replace your income and live comfortably. Mm -hmm. uh, there are all kinds of ways that you can track and optimize your process. That's something that we cover quite a bit. Kelly and I created the Remote Work Starter Kit, which kind of outlines exactly how you can optimize your, your efforts as you apply for a bunch of work on Craigslist, we've got cover letters based on people who've gotten hired, resume templates, kind of like a step-by-step -step how to do all this stuff. I think the number one thing that, number one mistake that I see a lot of people making is uh, they save up some money and they think that they're going to be the like buy a course, you know, like Amy Porterfield at one point was selling a course that was how you can make a six figure webinar in 30 days. I wonder how many people were just like, well, Amy Porterfield says that I'm going to be able to make a six figure webinar in 30 days. And I'm probably not going to hit that, but I'll probably hit like, you know, 10K or 5K in this first webinar. And of course that never happens. Drop shipping. A lot of people just eat shit and die on drop shipping. <laughs> and, uh, they have this idea that they're going to be able to, you know, take their savings and figure it out before their money runs out. And I've seen a lot of threads on Reddit and, and these various Facebook groups of people who started the digital nomad lifestyle without having a sustainable source of remote income and, you know, ran out of money and got stranded somewhere. Making sure that you have the digital skills required and are already able to source enough work to sustain yourself before you make the leap to digital nomadry is critically important, I would say. Yeah, because not only are you screwed because you don't have any money then, you run out of money, but I mean, that really works on your mental health, being stressed financially, feeling down about yourself, that you maybe you don't have the skills. It's just not a good place to be when you corner yourself into a place like that. Yeah, and it can really help to have an accountability partner. Like, I know that Kelly and I talk a lot about our internet therapist, but honestly, my internet therapist helps keep me on track. We've actually got a checklist and, and we love our relationship with BetterHelp so much that we have an affiliate partnership with them. So if any of your listeners would like seven days of free internet therapy, they can get it at betterhelp.com slash workationing. Yeah. And I'll include that in the show notes so you guys can um, check it out. It's been on my to-do list to check it out myself. Oh, it's so good. Like honestly, who doesn't need internet therapy? and you don't have to do videos with them like I'm happy to just like type you my problems <laughs> you know do we have to like talk about it while I'm wearing my Peg Bundy leopard robe and top knot then you're gonna see that I didn't even shower for this like you know I work from home <laughs> me too so the audio only therapy works <laughs> yes yes it really helps to keep you accountable 
it's great for digital nomads too, because I wasn't going to take my therapist from Boston with me on the road. So, you know, they go wherever you go. It's convenient. Cheap too. It's very affordable. So for somebody who wants to get into, let's say social media, because I get a lot of um, questions in the, in the She Hit Refresh Facebook group about wanting to start in social media and they want to know how, what do you think it takes to become a successful social media marketer? Oh man. All right. So a little bit of background. Uh, the Content Factory, we manage PR, web content writing, SEO, and social media marketing for a, a lot of clients and, and like household names that you've heard of. And consistently across the board, social media has the, the lowest and slowest return on investment out of all digital marketing activities, with the exception of if you're able to make ads work. If you're starting from scratch with a brand new social media account, you got this brand new client startup, they, they want you to start from zero, that's going to be a real slog. And it's going to be difficult to prove ROI, even if you follow all of the best practices and you really, you know, tweet your ass off. It's going to be difficult to acquire those first couple thousand followers. Uh, if you're looking to get into social media, you really can't half-ass it. You you really need to know what you're doing and you need to be able to show actual ROI to your client. If it's just like maintaining the social media profiles so that they look updated and professional and you know, you're acting as a customer service support for anyone who might have questions, that's one thing. But if you're like looking to charge thousands of dollars for social media management, you need to be able to show on the other side of it thousands of dollars worth of return on investment to the client. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to keep those contracts. Social media is tough. Um, yeah. And if you're going to start charging clients for social media activity, you should be good at it because you're going to need to be. Social media, I would say, is actually like surprisingly difficult <laughs> to, to do a good job with uh, unless you're working with a really small budget. Got it. And so you're saying also like if you know paid, you probably will do better. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're good at paid, you're probably good at organic too. But I think that there's a real opportunity for those who are good at, at paid to, you know, translate that into organic and, and charge clients a lot of money for it. Bang for your buck, I would say content writing or website design is going to yield you as the person providing the service the highest ROI. PR clients are difficult to come by. Uh, especially if you don't have a lot of connections, uh, it's difficult to charge. But if you do have those connections, you know, you can charge thousands of dollars for, for PR for clients. Awesome. Thank you for that. So then real quick, because you had mentioned some of the resources that you guys offer. Can you just give us a little rundown one more time of some of the resources that our community can use to help them build their skills in this space? Sure, of course. So we don't just manage all of these things for clients. Uh, we teach people how to do it as well. So I have all of the processes that we use at the content factory to manage the PR, SEO, content and social media for our national brand clients. I've got all of that mapped out. We've created comprehensive courses. Uh, we've got an SEO 101 video training course. Actually, I'll hit you guys with a coupon code for that. Yeah. It's 349, but you know, she hit refreshers can get a discount. I, I know ladies like a discount. <laughs> we have uh, comprehensive training manuals in social media marketing. We've got a remote work starter kit. If you are looking to 
break into remote work and you're not really sure how to start and maybe you need to reevaluate your resume, maybe you don't even know where to look for remote work. Uh, we got you covered with a remote work starter kit. But again, before you really start applying for remote work, you should you should have those skills locked down and tight. The trainings are available over at the Content Factory's website, contentfac.com, C-O-N-T-E-N-T-F-A-C.com. We've got a drop-down menu for trainings. You can check them all out, and I'll give you the link too. And then over at Workationing, if people want to check us out, we're at workationing.com. The Workationing Podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you find your favorite podcast, uh, you can find us. And uh, we've got the Workationing Facebook group too. Yeah, it's an entertaining place. So definitely guys, <laughs> join, listen. I'm going to include all the links that you just said in the show notes so people know where to find you and find your resources. Perfect. Um, so I think we did it. Thank you so much, Carrie, for your time and for sharing um, your knowledge with us and your story uh, with the refreshers here. I really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure to finally talk to you, and hopefully I'll get to meet you in person soon, maybe at Going Nowhere. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to meet you nowhere. (laughs) It sounds a lot more hostile than I meant it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you need to find any of the links that we mentioned, please head to the show notes of this episode. I have everything there for you. And for those that are interested in taking any of the courses that Carrie mentioned and that we have listed, we've got a promo code for you. So you'll get 20% off if you use the code hit refresh. So use that and get your discount. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. My email is seppi at shehitrefresh.com. And that's my first name. I'll spell it. C-E-P as in Peter, E-E at shehitrefresh.com. If you're a woman over 30 who's looking to break free from routine and start a life of travel, please join our Facebook group called She Hit Refresh. You can find more resources on our blog at shehitrefresh.com. And please follow us on our social sites, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at She Hit Refresh.